prayer before I get into the message. Father, thank you so much for those that are here today. God, you know where they're at. God, you know their hearts. God, you know what they've dealt with this week. God, you know where they've been. God, you know the fears and the anxieties in their life. God, you know every broken area. And Lord, I pray right now that you begin to mend those things, begin to heal the brokenness, begin to just soften the hearts to receive today. God, I thank you, Lord, for the people in this place and for those watching online. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in this series. We're going through the book of Nehemiah together. And uh, we come to this part in Nehemiah where you see uh, the, the task is at hand. They're, they're wanting to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And now it's time to get to work. And so Nehemiah arrives in town. We talked about last week. And so he prays and how, how vital prayer is in our lives to building the thing that God wants to rebuild in our life. Prayer is vital. And I pray that we've taken time this week to pray, to really seek God's face. And so uh, as we sought God's face, as we got a plan and, 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 and figured out what God wants us to rebuild those areas in our life and what those areas in our life are supposed to look like, we're going to talk today about who we need in our life. So often, I think, uh, in, our, in this culture, we have this individualistic uh, idea, like, I have to do it all myself. This area is broken in my life, it needs to be repaired, and I have to fix it. Only I can do it. Nobody else can do it. But I'm telling you, that's not what God designed us for. God designed all of us for each other. I want you to look to somebody next to you and say, you need me. You need me. Hey, you need me. Whether you like it or not, you need me. Whether you know it or not, you need it. We all need each other. God has placed his people in the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. He's called us all to come together as his body to help build one another up in the faith, to help build our lives, to help strengthen us in the, in the places that are weak. Those broken areas of our life that have been destroyed and wiped out, the, the gates in our lives that have been burned, the areas that are weak, God has sent people to help you rebuild those areas and to strengthen those areas. We're never meant to go it alone. We are never meant to go it alone. This uh, week I went fishing like I talked about, and uh, one of the guys I was with talked about how they had... Uh, how they fish for marlin. And uh, I didn't go fish for marlin, but he said what they do is they, they troll, they trawl, trolley, I don't know, troll, trawl, whatever the word is, but I'm no fisherman. But they, what they do is they have all these lures that look like a big school of fish. And on all these lures, there's like 10 or 20 of them, none of those have hooks because that's not what's going to catch the fish. On the back end, a couple feet, there's just one little straggler with hooks in it. And so what they do is they kind of troll, and, and this big school is going like this. But back there, there's this little straggler fish that looks like it's all alone. That's the target. That's the one that they catch all the fish on. Because the predator knows that that fish is out of, this, out of the school, and it's easy pickings. It's an easy target. And if we get out of our community, if we leave the community of faith, if we get out of the community where God has placed us to build and to help us to restore uh, we are easy pickings. <laughs> we, we will get uh, ate, you know, by the enemy. The, the scripture says that the, the enemy is like a roaring lion looking for someone to who he can devour. Uh, and so we have to stay together. We need each other, and we need to just stay united. God has put us together, and we're stronger together. We need each other. We, we, strength comes in unity. In fact, synergy comes from unity. 
Do you know what synergy is? Anybody know what synergy is? It's not where you tie two mouses together. I, I was reading two mice. Is that the word mice? Uh, on the computer. I'm old now, right? And so uh, synergy is when a group of people or, or people come together to accomplish a task and they get more done together than they could individually. It's, it's one plus one equals three. I know that's fuzzy math, but it's, it's one plus one equals three. Two people can do the work of three people. And, and the more people you get working on the same task in the same order and the same, with the same desired outcome, the faster it can get done and the more it can get done. And you see this in the story of Nehemiah where all these people come together to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to, and to hang the gates of Jerusalem. These people come together and they accomplish this amazing task of rebuilding these walls and restoring the, the gates in 52 days. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing that happens when God's people come together with a common purpose and a common goal. When God's will is being accomplished through his people, nothing can stand in the way of it. It happens so quick and it's strong and it's powerful. God has put us together in a community to affect the lives of each other and to build the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at the story in chapter 3 of Nehemiah about what happens when people come together, when the synergy happens. There's uh, these horses, they're Belgian draft horses. Have you ever seen them? Beautiful animals, gorgeous, huge horses. They are one of the most powerful horses on the planet. Each horse can pull up to 8,000 pounds. That's a lot. But if you put two horses together and you tie them together, two Belgian horses cannot pull 16, but they actually pull 24,000 pounds together. In fact, if you teach those two Belgian horses to pull in unison and to pull at the same time and you yoke them together and you teach them how to pull together, they can each pull the, together, they can pull 32,000 pounds. That's synergy. One horse could pull 8,000 both together trained and moving in unison can pull 32,000 pounds. That's four times as much as they would by themselves. And when we're all yoked together and when we're all working together for the common good and the common purpose, when we're building each other up, we can accomplish four times the amount that we could all by ourselves. That's synergy. That's why God has placed us to be in his church. And that's why we need one another. We see this principle in Leviticus when God's telling his people about what's going to happen if they serve him and, and when they uh, do what he wants, he says this in Leviticus. He goes, I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, this is where the synergy comes in. You will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All of your enemies will fall beneath your sword. The Lord is saying, if you do my will and I'm with you, when you're together, you will accomplish more together than you would by yourself. When we all join together in God's purpose and God's will, we all accomplish more than we could by ourselves. That's synergy. That's why God has put us together. This principle is what we see accomplished as we read this story in Nehemiah. And I want to point out some things as I read this whole chapter, so don't fall asleep. If you're tired, it's okay. You can fall asleep. I won't wake you up. But, you know, you know, sometimes that's the best sleep you can get, man, is on Sunday morning when the pastor's preaching. 
<laughs> Somebody say amen. What? No. Shame on you. So uh, in Nehemiah, I just want to point some things out as we read this chapter. This is probably the most least spiritual uh, message you'll probably ever hear me preach. But it's important because community is important. We need each other now more than ever. The church needs the church now more than ever. We need each other now more than ever. If anything that's happened during this pandemic and this year, it's, it's people have been pulled away from community. People, people's lives have been pulled away from each other. We need each other. We need to be in each other's lives, to grow each other, to, to help each other to become who God has created us to be. God has put each and every one of us together for a common purpose and a common goal. And as we read this chapter in Nehemiah, you're going to see people from all walks of life, all forms, all shapes, all sizes. You'll see families, you'll see individuals, you'll see uh, men, you'll see women, you'll see uh, goldsmiths and perfumers, you'll see all these people with different backgrounds, different uh, places of origin coming together in this common goal to accomplish this fantastic task of rebuilding the wall in 52 days. It's like all of us together in this building right now. You're all from different places. You all have different skill sets. You're all different. But when you come together for the common goal that God has called us to do, there's nothing that we can't accomplish together. There's a passage. It's one I, I, I preach on a lot and I pray on a lot. It's like this says, now through him who is able and his mighty work with power within us to accomplish what? Infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's what happens when we're working together. And so we're going to read this. I'm going to butcher every name in here, but it's all good. But I want you to notice a couple things while we read this. The different types of people that were working on the wall, and then also how many times you see Nehemiah use the word next to or beside. So Nehemiah starts this explanation about those who started at the at one section and kind of works around counterclockwise starting with the priests at the sheep gate and going around kind of telling, okay, this person built this section, this person built this section, this person built this wall, this tower, these individuals did this. So we're going to read it, and I want you just to kind of pick it up and understand who did it and that everybody plays a part. Everybody plays a part. Then Eliashab, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They decided it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated into the tower of Hananel, people of the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Emery. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaniah, and the laid beams set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and the grandson of Hakos repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Barakah, and the grandson of Meshizabel, and the Zedok, son of Bana. Next were the people from Tekoa. Their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. So you have these people, these Tekoans. I don't know who the Tekoans are, but you have these people. Their leaders wouldn't work, but they said, I'm going to be a part of this. I don't care if my leaders do it or not. I'm going to do the right thing. That's another message. The old city was repaired by Jordan, son of Pesah, and Mushum, son of Basoda. They laid the beams, set the doors, and installed the bolts and bars. Next to them were Mertilla the Gibeon, Jedon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, the people from Mitzvah, the headquarters of the governor of the province, west of the Euphrates rivers. Next was Uziel, son of Hariah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. 
Beyond him, or next to him, was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Raphiah, son of Hur, the leader of the half-district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next was Jediah, son of Haramph. He repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hattusa, son of Heshebaniah. Then came Mokjah, son of Haram, and Hushabib, son of Pathamoab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shelem, son of Halashoth, and his daughters repaired the next section. You know, I've, I've read this story a lot of times, and you usually skip over all these names because you're like, oh, I can't mention them. They, they seem so uh, just unimportant. But what you see here is that men and women had a part in playing. They repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people of Zenoah, led by Hanan. They set up the doors and installed the bolts and gates. They also repaired 1,500 feet of wall by the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Machjah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Hakram district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed the bolts and the bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shelem, son of Koza, the leader of Mitzvah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed the bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Cilium near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Pitzbar, or Bethzar, sorry. He rebuilt the wall from the place, from the tombs of David's family, as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. And these are really cool names. We need to rename the city of Weatherford to all these, the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehem, son of Bani. Then came Heshabiah, the leader of the half-district of Achillah, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next down the line were his countrymen, led by Minah, son of Hanadah, the leader of the other half of the district of Achillah. Next to him, Izar, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mitzvah, repaired another section of wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Barah, son of Zebai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashab, a high priest. There's always an overachiever in the bunch, right? That is Baruch, who zealously repaired extra. Miramath, son of Uriah, and the grandson of Haggos rebuilt another section of the wall extending from the door of Eliashab's house to the end of the house. The next repairs are made by the priests from the surrounding region. So not only the people in Jerusalem, but people outside of Jerusalem came to rebuild this wall. And Azariah, son of Messiah, and the grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from the house. Next was Benai, son of Hanadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle of the corner. Pelel, son of Uzzah, carried the work from the point of opposite the angle to the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Padiah, son of Perush, then the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the walls far across from the water gate, not the bad water gate that happened several years ago, but the water gate that's established, to the east in the projecting tower. Then came to the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across the great projecting tower and over the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zodak, son of Emmer, rebuilt the wall across from his own house. Beyond him was Shimeus, son of Jiknah, the, gator, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Haniah, son of Shilimiah, 
And Hanan, the sixth son of Zilloth, repaired another section, while Meshillam, son of Baraka, re- rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Machajai, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and the merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. Ah, oh, man, true. Thank you. Man, the cool thing about this is you see all these names recorded, and these are actual people. This actually happened. This, this is a really cool piece of history. And I'm a history nerd, so I love this stuff. You may hate history, but I'm telling you, it's a cool thing to see. And, and one day I'll get to go to Jerusalem like some of y'all got to go to, and I'll get to see all these places where each one of these people had a part in building this wall, rebuilding the gates, and, and, and moving and, and seeing just how beautiful it must have been. Everybody that had a part, everybody had a part to play in building this wall. They didn't let what they didn't have keep them from doing what they could do. They, they didn't allow the fact that I'm just a goldsmith, I'm just a perfumer. I can make perfumes. I have no idea how to make a wall. I have no idea. To, I'm not a stonemason. I'm not a carpenter. They didn't let their lack of skill keep them from playing a part and doing what God has called them to do. And I want you to know that when God calls you to do something, when God asks you to step into his will and into his plan, he will always give you the skill to do what he's called you to do. And here's the great thing about these people coming together as they worked side by side, as they worked next to one another. This word next to in the Hebrew is yad, Y-A-D. That's the easy Hebrew word to say, yad. It actually means hand. When they say he worked next to, they worked hand in hand with the person next to them. We all work hand in hand with the person next to us to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in each and every one of us. It takes each of us working hand in hand to restore and to rebuild the areas of our life that are broken down and are weak. Because there's areas in our life that are broken down and weak. They've been destroyed. They've been wiped out. And the enemy has had his way and and just ran in and, and done his damage. We have to rebuild those areas. And God sends people into your life hand in hand to rebuild those areas, to lift you up and encourage you and to strengthen you. All these people, out of all of them, how many of them actually knew how to lay a a brick wall? How many of them actually knew how to hang a gate? Probably very few. But there's people in that group that probably knew how to do it. And so as they were working hand in hand with those people, they were teaching them, hey, this is how you lay it. This is how you mortar it. This is how you uh, connect everything. This is how you're going to fit this in there. So they all needed each other to build this wall. They all needed to work hand in hand. And we all need to work hand in hand with the person next to us. We're all called to do our part, to build up not only our own lives, but the lives of those individuals around us, the people around you. You have an active uh, participation in their life because God has called you to be a part of his church. So we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. You're not exempt. You don't get out of it. Especially if you're, if you're a member of the church, you, you don't get out of it. You all have a play to part. You have a part to play. God has given us all a part to play in what he's building. And I pray that we can step into faith and know that I have a part to play, that I'm not useless. It doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter if I'm a guy. It doesn't matter if I'm a girl. God wants to use everybody in the work of the kingdom to build up each other. 
We all have a part to play, and we all have a brick to lay. We all have a brick to lay. We all have this thing that we, God wants us to bring into someone's life and to strengthen them. Bricks are, are where strength is. When you, when you make a brick wall or you brick your house in, what are you doing? You're adding fortification to it. You're adding strength to that thing so that it can stand up against wind and rain and anything that comes up against it. And, and God has placed each of us together so that we will lay bricks in people's lives, that we will fortify them, that we will build them up and strengthen them. We all have a brick to lay in someone's life. What does that look like? It looks like this. Hey, I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to pray with you today. Can I pray with you today? I see you're really going through some hard times. I've seen your Facebook. I've seen your social media. Man, you're really going through some stuff. Can I pray with you? That's laying a brick in their life. That's speaking a word in them. When you come in this door on a Sunday morning and you see somebody at the door that you haven't seen all week and they're smiling at you and they, and they give you a hug or they, or they speak a word of encouragement over you, that's laying a brick. That's leaving a brick in their life. That's building them up. Man, there's people in this church that are really good at building people up. There's encouragers. I'm not going to call you out, but you know who you are. There's encouragers in this place, man. They're always encouraging. They're always saying nice things. They're always trying to build up the people around them. They understand that God has given them a brick to lay in someone's life, to encourage and lift them up. We all have a brick to lay. I pray that we can take our bricks and use them to build up people and not take our bricks to throw at people. We, God gave us our abilities and our strengths too strengthen other people, not to tear them down. So let's pick up our brick and build somebody else's life. And when they're better, we're better. When their lives are, are lifted up, we're lifted up. Because all of us together are stronger. All of us need each other. All of us have a brick to lay. All of us have someone we can encourage and strengthen. This week when my cousin invited me to go fishing, I hadn't seen my cousin in years. Uh, just busy people, you know, we got kids, he's got kids. We used to fish all the time when we were younger, hang out all the time. But when he invited me, like I said earlier, I just had every excuse not to go. But when I went, I was so glad I did. Because he loves the Lord very much. And he, he's, he's real big into evangelism and he, he loves what God's called him to do and he just loves God and we just talked about what God was doing in his ministry and he asked me what God was doing in my ministry and we just kind of shared and helped each other and just encouraged one another the scripture says is iron sharpens iron so one man strengthens another and that's what was going on it's not like when he called me to go fishing I'm like I'm going to go and encourage my cousin I'm going to go and minister to him because I know he's going to build me up it wasn't it that wasn't even on our minds it just happens when we get to, uh, when we come together with like-minded people, we build each other up and we encourage one another. I didn't know it, but he had a brick he wanted to lay in my life. And I'm glad he did. I feel so much better for it. You know, you never realize, I say this a lot, you never realize how much you need people until you need people. You never know how much, how important people are in your life until they're kind of out of your life. You know, with, with their, all this social distancing and all the stuff that's going on, people have been locked up and Man, they're just, they don't have people. People are, are depressed. People are full of anxiety because they don't have other people in their life to build them up and to strengthen them. It's so easy to be isolated and, and to let the enemy wipe us out. We need each other now more than ever. We all have a brick to lay in someone else's life. 
But for us to lay a brick in someone's life, we need to give them access to our life. We have to give them access. We have to allow them to come into our life because we all have a gate to hang as well. We have a part to play, a brick to lay, and a gate to hang. What does hanging a gate look like? It looks like this. Hey, after church, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go here. Why don't you come with me? Or, or you, maybe it's somebody you've been in church with for a year and you haven't seen them. You know, you've never really met them. You're like, hey, I've been coming to this church for a year. I've never met you. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Or you, what's it look like? It just, it's just going over and, and opening up to them and allowing them access to your life, allowing them to come into your life. That, that's what hanging a wall, it's pretty simple. It's really simple. In our Discover class, we talk about how we do that, how we build community. Number one, we do small groups, which will be starting in February, just a plug for that. But we also do it by shoulder taps. It's like, hey, you want to go meet after church? Hey, do you want to come over to my house for dinner? Hey, can we go get some coffee? That, that's, that's what we build that community. That's how we allow people into our life. That's hanging a gate. You're allowing them access into your life. We need to open up our lives a little bit and let people in because they're there to help build us up. And whether you realize it or not, you're building them up. You're strengthening them. You're encouraging them. You're helping them to grow and to build. But you got to let them in. You got to let them in. God has strategically placed people in your life to let in, but you got to let them in. You have to let them in. You got to open up that gate and allow people access to your life. But here's the best thing about gates, and this is what I love about gates. They can open and they can close. Sometimes there's people that you need to close the gate on. And I'm just being serious with you. Because not everybody that you allow in your life is there to build you up. Whether purposely or, or not, you know, just who they are. Whether it's an enemy or a frenemy, right? We have frenemies, you know, they, they think you're your friends, but anytime you're around them, you're just drained and you're depleted and they bring all the drama into your life and you're like, man, these people, they're wearing me out. You need to close the gate. doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean that they can't be any part of our life. It's just saying, I'm going to put a border here. I'm going to put a boundary here that says you can't go any farther than this. Because every time you come, I let you in this deep into my life, you tear me down. There's people that you need to close the door on. There's, there's influences in your life that you need to close the door on because they're going to drag you down. There's an old saying that says friends are like elevators. They either pull you up or they take you down. You need to close the door on some people, on some relationships that are tearing you down. Allow, open the door, let good people in that are going to build you up, shut the door on people that are going to tear you down. That doesn't mean you don't love them. doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. It just means, hey, there's people in my life that I have to shut out. There's people that, that don't have full access to my life. It doesn't mean, you know, if it's family, same way. It doesn't matter. you got, you got, to, you got to allow good people in your life to build you up. And you have to pray for those people. That's my counseling for today. That's the great thing about gates. You get to determine who comes in and who goes out. That's why we need gates in our life. That's why we all have a part to play, a brick to lay, and a gate to hang.
Will you allow people in your life today? Will you allow them to come in and to build you up? God has called the church to be this family of believers, all united together because of the Spirit of God and what Christ has done in us to come together and to build each other up, to strengthen one another when we're down, to say, hey, I'm going to lift you up. Do you know what God says about you? He says that, he says that you are loved, that you are, that you are forgiven. Why are you beating yourself up? Why do you feel guilty? You need people in your life that is going to come and do that for you. And you can only do that if you allow them into your life and say, okay, you can come in. You can come in. I need people. You might want to say that when you wake up in the morning. I need people. I need people. Because like I said, you never know how much you need people until you need people. You've got to have people in your life. I love how Paul puts it to the Ephesian church. He's kind of reminding them of this fact that they're all placed together in the church to do a common goal for a common purpose, and they're united together. It's this, this unity that we find, this idea of synergy, that we're all working for the common good, we're all working for the common purpose, and we're all building our lives together, faster together than we would individually. And so this is what... what um, the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian church and the worship team, you're going to start coming up. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul's reminding the church, you all have a part to play. He said, you have all been called by God. You realize that? That you've been called by God? Whether you think so or not, you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. That's the hand in hand. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And then he explains how he got that gift. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, talking about Jesus, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's our commission, is to build the kingdom of God. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to do all the work. Oh, I got the wrong version. <laughs> no, it's to equip God's people to do his work. It's God's work. It's not our work. I'm just a servant. You're just a servant. It's his work. We're just doing it. And to build up the church, to build up the church, you're the church. God's using everyone to build us up. And here's why. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, this wall is being built up to its full standard. Our lives are being built up to its full standard. Then we will no longer be immature like children. A lot of immature people. 
we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so that so clever they sound like the truth instead we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more like christ who is the head of the body the church he makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love we use the, the message version of this in our discover class it says that god is fitting us in brick by brick creating this house that god is at home in it's a beautiful picture the church is expanding the kingdom bringing god to the people and we're growing together so that we're all healthy we're all mature and we all love full of love we all have a part to play we have a brick to lay and a gate to hang every one of us have a, have a part in this process every one of us god has called for a purpose and a reason every one of us got to get in on this nobody has left out you have a brick to lay and you have a gate to hang 